Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the precious gift it is to have your word, that this is more valuable than anything we can own. All the money we could have fades in comparison to having the words of the living God. But Lord, we need your help if we are to understand this precious gift that we have. We need your Holy Spirit's insight this morning to show us what you have said so that we can put it into practice in our lives. May we not only be readers of your word here this morning, but may we be doers of your word as well. And we ask that you do this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, I think when we consider suffering, we recognise that it's not a good thing. (laughs) Suffering is a painful experience. It can be bodily pain, physical pain. It can also be mental anguish, emotional pain. And we suffer for many reasons. There's all types of suffering that's brought on for different reasons. And a classic example in my own life of suffering recently is one that didn't actually happen to me, but happened to my wife. A couple of weeks ago, of course, Pippa was born and she didn't come into this world pain-free. She came into this world with great pain uh, for Jill. It was a bit of emotional anguish for me to see Jill experiencing the pain, but nothing compares to childbirth, uh, apparently for a man to experience. Uh, he can experience nothing that comes close to childbirth. Although Jill only took two Panadol for the whole thing, so I'm not sure how painful it actually is. But uh, maybe she's just got a very high pain threshold. I take two Panadol for a headache. She takes two Panadol for childbirth. Um, that seems to me that um, it's not maybe as bad as some people make out. But it is nevertheless very, very painful. And we experience all types of suffering, not just uh, childbirth. is not just the only type of pain that a woman can experience, and of course a man can't, but he experiences much pain in his own body and in different ways in his life. Now, Christianity, there is suffering for being a Christian. Being a Christian comes with suffering. And it's kind of like the whole childbirth experience, that the great suffering comes before the great joy. To have a child is a blessing. It's not a bad thing to have a child. It's a good thing. And it comes, the great joy of having the child comes after the great pain. And so it is with Christianity. We are experiencing suffering for being Christians in this world, but it's with a view to great joy that is to come. We experience the suffering now, but there is great glory to follow. The question is, how much is suffering unjustly a part of the Christian life? Last time I preached, three weeks ago, we looked at the subject of unjust suffering, specifically in the context of uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, and looking at how masters can punish servants unjustly. And we looked at the different ways that we have masters in our lives and as the role of servant and how we can experience unjust suffering from them. This week I want to continue there, but looking at how much that unjust suffering that we experience in our lives as Christians is a part of our lives. And so we're looking at just one verse today, verse 21 of 1 Peter chapter 2. And I encourage you to have the Bible open there in front of you as we work through that verse together. Verse 21 of 1 Peter chapter 2. And the first thing we're going to look at is how much is suffering a part of the Christian life? 
Let me tell you something that may seem odd. Suffering is so much a part of the Christian life that it is your calling to suffer unjustly. That's what 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us in verse 21. To this, and this is referring back to unjust suffering in the previous verses, to this you were called. What's it mean to be called? Well, you can have different types of callings. You can be called to uh, a particular place. So I often do that with Joshua. Joshua, come here. I'm calling him to come to a particular place. Or we can call something a name. And so we've called our new daughter Philippa. And then we can shorten it down to Pippa and Pip. And they're the names we're going to call her. But we can also be called to do something. And often this is what we think of when we hear the word calling. What is your calling? And the old word for this, which I don't hear so much in modern English, is vocation. What is your vocation? What is your job? What is your employment? What is your calling? What are you called to do each day and every day? That is your job. And so what is the calling of the Christian? What is the Christian's job? Here it says you were called to suffer. It is such a part of the job of the Christian that it is their whole job. It is their calling is to suffer unjustly. Now, of course, we've got to recognize that there's other things that the Christian is called to do as well. It's not to just simply suffer unjustly. And even Peter recognizes this. If we go back uh, in chapter 2 to verse 9, he tells us another part of our calling as a Christian. But you are a chosen people, verse 9, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What's your job, your calling as a Christian? To be in God's wonderful light, to experience his wonderful light. And then over in chapter 5, verse 10, the next page over in the Black Church Pew Bibles, page 1,203, verse 10, what else are we called to do? And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. We are called to what? To an eternal glory. Being glorified by God himself, being honoured by God in heaven forever. An eternal glory, it says. That is part of our call. And we like to make much of that. What's my calling? Ah, it's to go to heaven, to that place, and to be glorified by God. But what about this part in verse 21? The call to suffer unjustly. We don't like to make much of that because, of course, suffering is a bad thing. And we don't think bad things are associated with Christianity. Christianity is all about peace and goodness and righteous living. It's not about suffering unjustly. unjustly, Surely not. But unjust suffering, Peter says, is your calling. And so people could say to you, what's your job? What are you called to do? What's the Christian's answer? I'm called to suffer unjustly. That's a valid response for a Christian to make when someone asks you, what's your job? So when you're next at a birthday party and someone says, okay, so what do you do with yourself? Say, well, I suffer unjustly. That's my job. That's what I'm called to do in this world. And it's a valid statement to make based on 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. So why would you sign up for that? People at a birthday party would think you're nuts. Why would you sign up for unjust suffering? 
Well, we're given a couple of reasons here in the text of verse 21. And so my second main point this morning is that you suffer unjustly because Christ suffered for you. Verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you. Christ suffered in this world. We know that, don't we? We've read the Gospels. He went to the cross because of his own sins, because he deserved to be punished. No, he did not deserve to be punished. He suffered unjustly and he did it because of you, because of Christians, because he wanted forgiveness to be given to them. Do you understand the magnitude of what Christ did? That he suffered unjustly for you. The God who has eternally existed, who has infinite power, came into this world as a man and willingly went to the cross, bore the insults, bore the beatings, bore people spitting upon him, all unjustly because of you, because he wanted you to have that eternal glory that Peter speaks about in chapter 5. The magnitude of God's love for you in suffering unjustly for you is incredible. And if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I want you to consider how great the God of Christianity is. No other God in any other religion has ever done anything like this for his people. If you're not a Christian, consider the love of the God of the Bible, that he came into this world and suffered unjustly so that you would not have to suffer justly and be set free to go to heaven. Accept what Jesus has done. Accept what the God of the Bible has done. And you accept that by repenting of your sins, asking for forgiveness, and believing that Jesus did indeed suffer unjustly for you. And if you are a Christian, this is a big motivation for you to suffer for God, to suffer because of Christ, for his sake, because he has suffered for you. Why shouldn't you want to suffer for him? Why shouldn't you want to sign up for the job? Because he has suffered in ways that you can't imagine. He has suffered the eternal torments of hell for you. What happens to you in this lifetime? The worst that people could do to you for being a Christian doesn't come close to the unjust suffering of Christ for you. Suffer for Christ. Suffer unjustly because he suffered for you. Are there any other reasons for suffering? Well, another reason to suffer unjustly is because of Christ's example for us. My third main point is you suffer unjustly because of Christ's example. And that carries on from that first reason that I've given But it's there in verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And really this is just an illustration of 
what we've already talked about, of suffering like Christ suffered for us. He's left us an example, is the first illustration. That word example is a very unusual word in the Greek um, New Testament. It only occurs this time, and so we've got to look at other Greek writings from around the time as to what it exactly means. And it refers to basically a children's school book. And, of course, children's school books are all different types of books you can have at school. And so what did people use at the time as they taught children? Well, you could, and it's particularly for learning letters, a children's school book for learning the alphabet. And so they had different ways, of course, as we do today, of teaching children their letters. One way is that you uh, get a, a faint line, the teacher draws a faint line, and then you have to fill in the dots. And so you go around and draw your little letters based on what the teacher has done Or it could be that the teacher puts across the top of the page, you've got a blank page, and they put the letters there, and then you fill in your own underneath, copying the example of the teacher. And that's what we're to do with Christ's example for us at the cross of suffering unjustly. He is the teacher. We are the student. And the teacher says, this is how you do it. And he shows us at the cross. And we come along... And we behave the same way. We endure unjust suffering like children filling in the dots, tracing over what Jesus has done. We do that just like he did. The other illustration is following in his steps. Verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. What's it mean to follow in someone's footsteps or in something's footsteps? Well, there's different ways that we follow in people's steps, isn't there? Or something's step. When you hunt, I've never hunted, um, to my disappointment in some ways. On computers I've hunted, but the image here is uh, hunting an animal. And it could be in the snow where they've left footprints going through the snow and you follow along those footprints because if you don't follow along those footprints you aren't going to really find the animal that you're hunting and so that's what you're doing with Jesus you're following along his footsteps the other way of doing it is where you follow along in um, uh, you see this with you follow people a classic example is in wars where there's a minefield and someone at the front is there with a knife checking the dirt and everybody behind coming along in profile, and making sure that they step where the first guy stepped, because if they don't step where the first guy stepped, they could trigger a mine and blow themselves and other people up. And that's the idea. We're following along after Jesus' steps. Or we just follow people for um, because we're interested in what they're up to. I've seen this with um, Joshua. He loves to copy people. And the other week when I was off, I crawled under the house for something, and, uh, and you've got to get low down. I've got to go down onto my hands and knees and almost onto my belly at one point. Turned around and there's Joshua. He's just walked in, put his head on one side because he's smaller. He's followed in my steps but not crawling because he didn't need to. He just can walk in. He's interested as to what I'm up to and wanting to do what I do. And that's what we're to do with Jesus. We're following his steps. And what did he do? What do his steps involve? Suffering unjustly bearing unjust suffering. And that's what we're to do. We're to follow his steps. We're to trace like the children with the copybook. We're to follow in his steps. But what about if you don't suffer unjustly? 
I mean, we're in a very blessed country here in Australia, and there's not a lot of persecution to Christians. And you might think, I haven't experienced much suffering in my life as a Christian. Is Peter wrong here? That it's not my calling to suffer. It's calling for some Christians, but not my calling. I don't suffer unjustly. Why could that be, that you don't suffer unjustly? Is Peter wrong? Well, I'd be scared of calling Peter wrong here because you're also calling God's word wrong. No, there must be a reason. Why don't you suffer unjustly? Well, it might be because God is blessing you and God does give his people peace at different times. And we can experience great blessing from God and very little persecution from him. And that's what Australia is experienced. Most Christians in Australia do experience that blessing from God. And it is a blessing from him. But if you are a Christian, you should experience some suffering in your life unjustly for being a Christian. You will experience it. So then you say, well, why haven't I? Is it still to come? Why? Well, let me just raise one idea. My last main point this morning is you suffer unjustly because you are just. And maybe the reason you aren't suffering unjustly is because you aren't very just. We suffer unjustly because we're just. If we aren't just, if we're unjust in the way that we live, when we suffer, that is just suffering. Unjust suffering requires that you're a just person, that you do the right thing. So if you don't suffer unjustly, is that because you aren't just? You aren't right in the way you live? Because remember, we're following Jesus' example. And what example did Jesus leave for us? Yes, he left an example of suffering, but it was an unjust suffering he experienced because he was such a just person. He was the best person that ever lived. He was the only person never to sin. He was the most just person you could ever meet. And so when he suffered, it was injustice. It was unjust. And so maybe if you aren't suffering, it's because you aren't living like Jesus did. You aren't just in the way that you lived. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't suffer unjustly, consider whether you're living like Christ. Because if you live like Christ and do the right thing all the time, people won't like it and they will persecute you for it. If you're always being good, it often makes people feel bad because they know that they aren't like you and they will try to shut you up for being such a good person and they do it with suffering. And it can happen in small ways. I think of one of my cousins. She took a gap year after finishing school and just worked for the local council while she decided what she was going to do at university. And, uh, and she worked there in administration. And after a, a month or so, she was called into her boss's office. And they said to her, look, can you please not work so hard and so quickly? because no one in your job has ever gotten so much done so quickly and you're pretty much making the rest of us look pretty bad. So could you slow down? Take a break, go get a drink more often. Just don't work so quickly. Please don't. Her boss rebuked her for working hard 
in that job. Now think of that in local council dollars that you spend are used to slow people down and not work so quickly. But that's an example of unjust suffering. You're doing the right thing. You're working hard and you're told off for doing it. Slow down. Be a little bit more lazy. Don't work so hard. But there's many other more severe examples where your friends and your family will not like you and will say things, insults to you, because you are doing the right thing. And sometimes it's a case of not that you're doing the right thing, it's that you're not doing the wrong thing. You're not joining in with them in their sin and their depravity, and they will persecute you accordingly, just like Jesus withdrew from joining in with the wrong thing. So if you want to suffer unjustly, and are wondering why you don't, live as Jesus did. The other thing you can do is speak as Jesus did. When you speak as Jesus did, you will suffer unjustly because Jesus suffered greatly because of the things that he said. What are things that Jesus said that he suffered for? Well, one thing is he said he was divine. He was God himself, and the people hated him for it. How dare you, a mere man, claim to be God? And they plotted to take his life and eventually did take it. And that can happen to you as well. Not that you claim to be God, but that you claim that Jesus was God. You affirm that Jesus is God. If you go to some countries in the world today and you affirm Jesus' divinity, you can be killed. And pretty quickly, because you said Jesus was God, just like Jesus did. Other things that Jesus said that he suffered for is he told people they were sinners. People don't like being told they're sinners. And if you do that to the friends and family in your life, you say, well, you know you are a sinner. You've done the wrong thing many, many times and you're not right with God. They will persecute you because of it and you will suffer unjustly. Other thing that Jesus told people about that he suffered for is speaking about hell. He was very clear that everyone deserves to go to hell and that hell is a subject that he was not ashamed to speak about. And if you do that, If you speak about hell and are not ashamed of it, that people deserve to be punished for an eternity for their sins, people will persecute you for it. They will not like you speaking so plainly. And one other thing that Jesus said that people didn't like is that he was the only way to eternal life. That there is no other way except faith in him. And if you do that, if you speak like Jesus, truthfully, with justice on your side and say that Jesus is the only way, people will want to shut you up by making you suffer. The trendy thing in our age, more than any other age, is to say all ways lead to God. It's not true. Jesus tells us it's not true. And you are called to say it's not true as well. And when you do, that's when the unjust suffering begins. You've said the right thing, 
and you're being wrongly punished as a result. So if you're not suffering unjustly, is it because you are not living like Jesus did and speaking like Jesus did? Now, I'm not suggesting, of course, that you go out and offend people by always talking about uh, hell, sinners, Jesus being the only way, and that's the only type of conversation you have with other people. And then you wonder why you have no friends and you think, this is unjust suffering. Because I keep saying the truth to my friends and family and they don't want anything to do with me and 1 Peter 2.21 is proved right. No, that would be just suffering. If you're always on about these things to your friends and family, you deserve the suffering of having no friends. No, there is a time to speak and a time to be silent about such issues. Unjust suffering is when you make a stand for the truth without being offensive yourself. And that's one of the tensions that you have to hold on to as a Christian, is you speak offensive truths without being offensive yourself. If people are offended with you, the reason should be that they're offended by what is said from the word and not by the way that you present it and the sin that you have infiltrated into the way you're presenting it. Unjust suffering is when you stand for the truth without being offensive yourself. And so I encourage you to do that. Pick your times to speak and times to be silent. So we've seen that this Christian's job to suffer because Christ suffered for you and he left you an example to follow and you suffer unjustly because you are just. But what about you? Do you recognise your calling is to suffer? That part of your job of, as a Christian is to suffer? Or are you still surprised when you suffer unjustly? When you do the right thing and then you suffer, you go, what's going on here? I did the right thing. How can I be suffering unjustly? And it surprises you. Or you start to question God and his goodness and his sovereignty and you say, God, what are you doing? I did the right thing. I spoke clearly the gospel to these people and now they're persecuting me for it. They don't want to be my friends anymore. And you say, God, this isn't the way it's meant to be. Well, then you haven't understood what it means that your calling is to suffer unjustly. And so it shouldn't surprise you when it happens. Now, it disappoints you, and I experience that disappointment again and again in different ways, but it shouldn't surprise me that it happens. Does it surprise you when you suffer unjustly? And are you content to suffer unjustly? Because Jesus suffered for you. When you suffer unjustly, you cling to the fact that you have an opportunity to suffer for Christ just like he suffered for you. Does that give you endurance to suffer unjustly? And do you do it because you know you're tracing Jesus' example and you're following in his steps? And do you love to be just? Because no matter what people say or do, you are doing the right thing. Are you being just in your life and suffering unjustly as a result? Let us speak with our God now. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for sending Jesus Christ, your one and only Son, 
into the world to suffer unjustly for us. Lord, we pray that we may follow his example, follow in his steps, and be prepared to suffer unjustly. Lord, we pray that we may be just in our lives. So often we are tempted to back down in the way that we live and the way that we speak, the things that we speak about, because we fear man. We fear what they will say about us and the way that they will react against us. Lord, help us not to be surprised at unjust suffering because this is part of our calling. And may this spur us on to serve you with great justice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.